welcome to Senior Beat. My name is Christine Beatty, and I'm the director at the Madison Senior Center. My co-producer is Tom Frazier. And Tom, how are you? I'm just fine. Well, thank you for arranging this program today. Uh, We've got a very special guest. Would you well, like to introduce? Well, I would. I would. We're very pleased to have Representative Lisa Subek with us today. She uh, represents the Assembly District 78, which is Madison. Yeah. Um, and um, she was born in Chicago, Illinois. She's got her BA from the University of Wisconsin in Madison in 1993. Um, she served on the Madison Common Council from mm -hmm. 2011 to 2015. I remember and that. just last year, she was elected to the State Assembly. So welcome. Welcome. Representative Subic, we're pleased you're here. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be here. We wanted, um, since we're kind of in the middle of the state budget, probably past the middle, maybe you could explain where we are in the state in the state budget. And so we wanted to talk about the state budget, which is a big issue in itself, and then the impact on Madison and Dane County and seniors and whatever else you'd like to talk about. But why don't you start by saying where we are in the process? Sure, sure. So the state budget process <laughs> can be a little bit unpredictable. Unlike the process, for example, here in the city of Madison, where everything is very scheduled out and we know in advance when everything will be, the state budget has a general pattern but doesn't follow quite the same predictable lines. In theory, we should be done with the budget passed by law by the end of June. At this point, it is a, you know, a question whether that will happen. There's been enough disagreement within this budget that um, we're not sure that that will actually happen. If it's not passed by the end of June. What happens is that funding continues at current levels. It's not like the federal government where things start to shut down. Right. Um, funding is just kept constant until the budget's passed, if that happens. Um, but a little bit about the budget process itself. The budget starts with our Joint Finance Committee. Well, it actually starts with the proposal from the governor. So the governor mm -hmm. writes up his budget proposal based on feedback he gets from the departments, what his priorities are, and what information his administration provides him. He puts out that budget proposal, and he did that a few months back. Mm -hmm. um, then it goes to the Joint Finance Committee, which is our budget committee. And that is a committee that is a combination of the State Assembly and the State Senate. Both houses have representation on that committee. Um, there are four Democrats and eight Republicans on the committee because the Republicans are in the majority. That changes when the Democrats are in the majority, of course. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually 12, I think, 12 instead of eight. Sorry, yes. Twelve and four. Yes, yes, four. sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah. I misstated right. that. Right. My apologies. Right. No, that's okay. <laughs> I was adding them up to 12. <laughs> <laughs> so many things to keep track of. But so the Joint Finance Committee takes the budget first, and they go through department by department, area by area, make amendments to it or pass what the governor proposed right. or some combination of the two. And once they finish their work on the entire budget, then the amended budget, as passed by joint finance, goes to each house, the, the Assembly and the Senate. And typically, it alternates years for which house gets it first. Uh, yes. So this year, assuming that we follow that pattern, and it can change, mm -hmm. but assuming we follow that pattern, the State Senate would get it first, and then it would come to the State Assembly, okay. where I serve. So right mm -hmm. now, it's still working its way through the joint finance process. They have been 
going along and meeting weekly for quite some time, and just in the last couple of weeks have really stalled, and they haven't met in the last two weeks. Wow. Um, there are big questions about particularly the transportation budget and the Bucks Arena in Milwaukee yes. that seem to be holding up that process. Um, so at this point, joint finance hasn't met in a couple of weeks. We are all in a waiting and holding pattern to, you know, see what comes out of that Imagine next. you're chomping at the bit. <coughs> Absolutely. What? So you can get to work. Yes, <laughs> yes. We are all anxious to work. We're anxious to know what's in the budget. Yeah. There is lag time in between each piece where the nonpartisan legislative fiscal bureau does their um, papers to help oh. us understand what it means, their fiscal estimates and their papers and outline it. So we know that even once they pass it, we need those papers to tell us what's in it. Now, we expect that once it goes through joint finance, it will move very quickly okay. through the Senate and the Assembly, um, in part because the Republicans are in the majority in both houses, and mm -hmm. so they are really shaping this budget. Mm -hmm. So as a result with them in the majority, um, we expect that what they want in that budget will be in it, and then it will move very quickly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what is your overall take on <clears throat> on the governor's budget and what the Joint Finance Committee has done so far? And, and as we've mentioned, Joint Finance Committee, because Republicans are in the majority in both mm -hmm. Assembly and Senate, there are 12 Republicans on the Joint Finance Committee mm -hmm. and four Democrats. So basically the Republicans decide And they're going everything. to take the lead. And they the take yep. the lead. Yep. So kind of your overall take on the big issues in the budget and where we stand sure. with those. You know, I, my, my take is the budget from the time the governor proposed it has been pretty disastrous, mm -hmm. um, both, for, both statewide and then also for its direct impact here in Madison and Dane County. And, you know, when I talk about being disastrous for us, I'm looking at, you know, in the governor's proposed budget, $300 million cut to the University of Wisconsin system. And quite frankly, joint finance did not change that much. Um, they are offering a $250 million cut. So, you know, that's yeah. substantial and mm -hmm. that has huge impact both here in Madison where we have the largest piece of the university system. And I understand that's already that's already impacting the university in terms of people not wanting to be here, people leaving. Um, that's frightening. Absolutely, absolutely. Even the discussion about that kind mm -hmm. of a cut. Every, every day we're reading another news story about yeah. a professor they were trying to attract who isn't going to come here after all or somebody yeah. who's leaving. And I think that will only get worse as time goes on. There are also some policy changes that really upset some folks at the university, mm -hmm. and I believe rightfully so, mm -hmm. around eliminating tenure, which limits academic freedom and truly impacts our ability to attract the best yeah. and the brightest. Yeah. So, you know, there's that piece of it. There's mm -hmm. a piece of it that relates to public education, K-12 education, substantial cuts and more money being sent out of our public schools mm -hmm. into the voucher system. And this affects not only people with kids in school, this affects our communities as a whole because right. we all know the economic strength of our community, the housing values in our community are so dependent upon strong public schools. Yes. That is the at the top of what people look for when they're looking to buy a house or relocate in a community. Mm -hmm. So that has a dramatic impact locally and, again, in communities across the yeah. state. <coughs> Specific to Dane County, um, 
you know, we've seen some sort of strange pieces of this budget come out. Um, one of them being um, related to Dane County and how the county handles zoning. Um, there was a move to remove first um, part of, I believe it was Wanakee, it may have been Sun Prairie, from county zoning, one of the towns out there. Mm -hmm. And then more broadly, though, we're still expecting that on the last day the Joint Finance has the budget, they take up a huge omnibus motion. And it's a little bit of everything that somebody wants in the budget. And this okay. happens no matter what party's in control, this omnibus motion takes place. Mm -hmm. The party in control obviously has most of the control of what it, what goes into it. And sometimes there are things, you know, making Kringle the state, <laughs> state, uh, state, 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 which are kind of, you know, my, they're, they're, it's silly that they're in a budget motion, but ultimately, you know, they're yeah. just nice things that they're doing. There are also some really detrimental things they do. And one of the things that people are expecting is that they may try to remove all of the towns in Dane County from Dane County oversight and zoning. Specific only to Dane County, nowhere else in the state would they do this. And that has a huge impact on our ability to plan and to protect our natural environment. When we start thinking about smart growth and thinking as a region, yes. not just one town at a time or one city at a time, that regional planning that takes place is absolutely critical. Right. So, you know, we expect that that's coming forward in the budget. Um, you know, there's just a number of pieces of this that have disproportionate impacts. I would say overall, one of my biggest concerns about the budget is that it really, it, that it misses the boat when it comes to providing opportunity for yeah, people. Yeah. We don't focus on providing economic opportunity. We don't focus on providing educational opportunity. We don't provide security for our seniors and for mm -hmm. our disabled mm -hmm. residents. Um, you know, it really misses the boat on what I consider to be really core values that not only I mm -hmm. hold, but that I believe people across the state hold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really frightening. Right. You mentioned public school funding. Now, the Joint Finance Committee restored that cut that the governor made, but that, as I understand it, that's on top of cuts that were sure, before. Sure. sure. So the Joint Finance Committee lessened the blow by restoring some of the money that the governor was proposing to cut. Right. Um, right. However, um, over the last four years, we have had record cuts to public schools. Record. Nothing. We've never in history had as big of a cut. And then on top of that, although they restored. Part of the although they restored part of the cut through the per pupil funding, what they did what they did at the same time was they determined that money that went to voucher schools would now dig even more deeply into the public schools. Okay. So, over a period of and I can't remember how many years it is, but over a period of a few years, we'd reached the point where the public schools were actually funding those vouchers. <laughs> um, and so, over a period of Ten years, we're looking at, I believe it was $800 million that would be coming out of public schools and going to voucher schools. I mean, it's, it's absurd. Mm. Mm -hmm. I've always been so proud of our public education system. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Um, I moved here from another state many, many, many years ago, and our son at that time was one year old, one, mm -hmm. years, one year old. And, you know, in retrospect, I thought, boy, that was the best decision we've ever made, really? you know, because he got such a good education and then was able to go on. And and now it's it's kind of like we're trying to fund parallel school systems when I'm not even sure we can afford one good one. Yeah, yeah. it's it's so very true. We can't afford right. to fund two school systems. Um, 
And, you know, our public schools are rooted in our Constitution. Yeah. We are a state, and I don't believe this is universal in all states, but we are a state where um, that education is guaranteed constitutionally right here in our state constitution. And that's something we should be proud of, and it's mm -hmm. part of the reason mm -hmm. that we've had such a strong tradition of really high-quality public education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you said, when you moved here, you really found that that was, you know, beneficial. A lot of people moving here look at, you know, is that something that I want? Do right. I want that school system? Right. And really, if we want to attract people to our state, not drive them away, that's important. And I think that also has a direct impact on seniors. Yes. Because when you think about who sells homes, mm -hmm. seniors are often selling their homes, trying to downsize or moving mm -hmm. into a mm -hmm. senior living or assisted living. And how, how do you sell your home when the mm -hmm. school system is going downhill? Right. That has a direct right. impact on the value of that home, and that's often what many well, of our seniors rely on to help pay, their, pay for their needs as they move forward. And, and I think the image of older people as not caring about their school system is really very false because mm -hmm. they have had their children go, they have their grandchildren going, mm -hmm. they want to have a strong school system because ultimately that supports some of the programs that serve seniors as well. Absolutely. That, that great quality education is so critical. Absolutely, um, I think that's are, part are of the you reason. Are you hearing from people about the budget yet, or, or I mean, it is, is the number one thing we are hearing that about you're hearing, in good. my office and in offices across the Capitol. Right. I mean, I think that we have seen, and when we get into some of the, after the break, when we talk about yeah, um, the senior, more senior issues, seniors, we'll talk about how that contact has helped make a difference. Wonderful. You know? And we really, we've been hearing volumes, and we do see incremental changes in the right direction. Unfortunately, we are starting from such a bad budget yeah. and such a damaging budget that little bits of progress don't feel like much. Much, yeah. But you're hanging in there. Absolutely. And you're going to fight. Absolutely. We will not <laughs> stop fighting. <laughs> That's great. We, uh, we'll take a little bit of a break at this time because we, we want to kind of regroup and join us uh, after the break. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about impact on Madison and also some senior issues. See you in a minute. Hi, welcome back to Senior Beat with our guest representative, Lisa Subek. We're so excited. She's here to talk uh, about the budget. And Tom, take the lead and ask some more of your difficult, tough questions. <laughs> We're going to put well, her on the spot. I, I, don't, I don't think we'll do that. But, okay. Because I think she knows too much to yes. do that. So, yes. so but I, I do think we wanted to switch and kind of talk about the impact on older people, older sure. adults yeah. in the budget. Yeah. Um, there's sort of 
two big issues, but then there's some other issues, and I see the big issues as senior care and family care. So maybe we could talk about those mm -hmm. things. Sure. So maybe we could start with the good news. Yes. Or we hope yes. the good news. Well, the good news is, while the governor had proposed eliminating senior care, and for folks who may not be familiar with senior care, senior care is Wisconsin's one-of-a-kind prescription drug yeah. program. Okay. It is a model program. Mm -hmm. It um, when you know, is actually created under Governor Tommy Thompson back during the time that um, there was this conversion to, Medi to Medicare Part D mm -hmm. um, for drugs. And what senior care did is it actually makes drugs cheaper for individuals here. The state is able to negotiate with the drug companies mm -hmm. directly, right. and we have a waiver from the federal government to do this. And this program not only saves seniors money, but it actually saves the state money right. in the right. long in the right. long run. Right. Um, for some reason, the governor wanted to eliminate this. Um, it was, you know, mystifying to me because this really is a program that, um, in the long run, doesn't cost the state. And mm -hmm. it's simple for older adults. Absolutely. Too. That's Absolutely. One it of takes... the things I hear about mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. Yes, Medicaid Part D. Many people find very complicated. complicated. It's hard to enroll in. You have to figure out all of these things and do a lot of paperwork. Senior care is very simple to enroll in. Mm -hmm. It saves you money and it, you know, you don't have to jump through as many hoops Oops. as you do yeah. with uh, Medicare mm -hmm. Part D. So, so it's really something that's to the benefit of seniors and to the benefit of the state. Mm -hmm. So for some reason, the governor decided to take this out of his butt, to take the, to eliminate this in the budget. budget. Um, again, like I said, mystifying to me, but that's what he decided. Mm -hmm. um, we began an intense campaign, um, some of my colleagues and I really led by um, Representative Andy Jorgensen, who mm -hmm. represents a little mm -hmm. bit of Dane County, but also some areas around us. He, mm -hmm. He's from Milton. Mm -hmm. And he really started um, a campaign with myself mm -hmm. and some of our other Democratic colleagues to collect petition signatures and to get seniors across the state, in our districts and outside of them, contacting their representatives, yeah. letting them know what this program means to them, yeah. um, and also letting people across the state know that this was in the budget because there is so much in the budget. Sometimes it's hard to figure out what things impact me. These things can go unnoticed. Right. And I believe as a direct result of the tens of thousands of signatures that were submitted along with huge volumes of emails to all of our offices in mm -hmm. support of saving senior care, mm -hmm. the Joint Finance Committee did vote to save the program. And that Democracy was really good Democracy in action. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, and it, wonderful. It's, it's important because it speaks to how much your voices matter and your yes. your viewing audience matters. Yes. I mean, folks who took the time to write a letter, send an email, um, that along with everyone else who did it, really can make a difference. It may yes. not change everything, mm -hmm. but it can make a difference. And in this case, it, it worked. It, it worked. Did. Political right. pressure can be incredibly effective. Wonderful. Yes, Wonderful. yes. And now we'll switch to <laughs> where the Joint Finance Committee made some changes, but they didn't change it very much from the governor's proposal to what I consider to be to privatize long-term care, yeah. namely family care, a program called IRIS, which is a self-directed mm -hmm. care program, and aging and disability resource centers. Yes, yes. Those are biggies. Yes. So our long-term care programs here in the state help provide care for both elderly senior individuals um, and individuals with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And we have, through a program called Family Care and 
particularly through IRIS, which is a self-directed piece of family care for people who are able to able and desiring to use that, we have been able to help people become more independent or remain more independent mm-hmm. um, as they age or for folks with disabilities as they integrate into the community. Mm-hmm. And the governor in his budget proposal had proposed lumping all of this into one big giant managed care organization mm-hmm. um, that would ma- manage a statewide, would probably be an out-of-state insurance company that would run this. And that was very frightening for good reason mm-hmm. to many people. Um, one of the reasons that these programs work so well is they have a real connection to local communities. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, you know, the organizations that run them are located right there locally. Mm-hmm. They work with you know, local caregivers and whatnot. And really with the statewide program, you lose that. And so that was very concerning. It also, there are a handful of counties that have um, opted to provide their own programs Mm -hmm. instead of family care. And this, again, in that sort of one-size-fits-all approach um, would require them to go into um, this managed care, family care. The governor's proposal also eliminated IRIS pretty much altogether, mm-hmm. so there would be no self, di- di- no self-direct care. IRIS stands for um, I respect, I self-direct, mm-hmm. and so it'd be an elimination of that. Um, and then the ADRCs would also be looking at going to this wide, um, no longer local model. Right. Yeah, and so joint finance, oh, you look like you're going to ask a question. No, no, no. Okay, no. sorry, I didn't want to <laughs> cut you off. You're doing, you're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the joint finance committee picked that up, and again, under immense pressure. There have been budget hearings across the state. People right. have come out Good. in droves. This one of the issues we're hearing the most about. Good. Um, and the joint finance committee came through with, Something that they're claiming victory on, the majority on the Joint Finance Committee is claiming victory on, but which is still of great concern, which is they, instead of sticking to the governor's statewide model, Mm -hmm. using statewide managed care, they want to do a regional approach where there would be probably four regions um, across this four or five regions across Mm -hmm. the state. Um, that would then essentially act just as that one single managed care organization would do. It would force the local providers potentially out of the equation, Mm -hmm. which is terrifying not only to our local communities and losing those providers, but for individuals who use those local providers and could be forced to, you know, change and lose that connection. Um, So the regional model I do not believe will be much better, and certainly what we're hearing from advocates and individuals who are affected Mm -hmm. is that they are concerned it won't be any better than Mm -hmm. the statewide managed care. Um, The majority on the finance committee is claiming that what they're doing would leave some room for a self-directed program. But it would not be IRIS, and people are very concerned that that self-direction will potentially right away or potentially after a couple of years just fade into the darkness. managed care and then self-direction, it seems like an oxymoron that those would be in the same program. Yes, it's a complete contradiction of terms, and that's why... Um, we aren't buying that this is going to do what they're claiming it will do. Um, so, I mean, these are, these are things that are of real concern mm-hmm. within our communities. This also impacts the ADRCs, the Aging and Disability oh, yes. Resource Centers, yes. um, and looking at regionalization of that. And, you know, it's just 
or, you know, potentially statewide or regionalization. You know, here in Dane County, I look at our ADRC, and I spent some time touring it. I have met many of its staff over the years. Our office frequently refers people there oh, when, yes. we get, when we have constituents called looking for resources. And one of the things that they do amazingly well is help people connect with local resources right. in our community. Exactly. And I do not see any way that a statewide ADRC has the ability to do that. No. It is no. the connections. No. Those folks who work at the ADRC are connecting on a daily basis with no. other resources. No. Yeah. When I worked in social, in social services, I worked at the YWCA, and, mm -hmm. you know, we provided um, low and moderate income housing there sure. and some other resources for women, and many of our residents were elderly. Well, that's one of the things that the ADRC here might refer to mm -hmm. for somebody looking mm -hmm. for affordable housing. Mm -hmm. A company, an out-of-state company who's answering right. a phone at a call center right. somewhere isn't going to be able to provide that sort of referral, isn't going to be able to right. evaluate, is that an appropriate referral for this individual? You yeah. know, what, yeah. what the individual needs is something that gets lost in that equation. Yeah. You know, I was just, I was back to your earlier point about senior care and the thousands of people who called and emailed and wrote mm -hmm. and met and mm -hmm. so forth, and, and that worked. But the same phenomena took place with family care and IRS and ADRCs because probably the biggest turnout at the public hearings that the Joint Finance Committee held were on long-term care. Long-term care. The, these combinations, yep. you know, from ADRCs, from IRS people, from family care people. And yet, you know, I, I guess that faded in their memories or something, and and then they were able to ignore all those people, and I'm still trying to figure out why one worked the grassroots the stuff worked on the one hand, but not the other. You know, and that's always a question <laughs> um, that we yeah. all have. Yeah. You know, I think some of it is that this budget was so bad to start with mm -hmm. that yeah. as yeah. things start to change in it, where we may have a few victories. Um, there's only, you know, every, things do tend to get a little bit lost in the shuffle, right. I think. You know, right. there's, right. in the public focus, too, you know, much of that contact has slowed down. I would urge your viewers to continue contacting their legislators. Right. Mm -hmm. And if they mm -hmm. have family outside, I mean, Indian County and Madison, all of the legislators are on their, you know, are yeah. on your side, so <laughs> to speak, with this. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think that where people have family, if they're children or their grandchildren or in some of those key areas, in, key areas, in yep. other areas of the state where you have folks who aren't on board with this, right. encourage them to contact their legislators, too. And one of the most powerful things people can do is share their stories. Yeah. Um, talk about how this will impact you or if their right. grandchild or child lives in another community. Talk about how it's going to impact their parent or their grandparent right. because those stories speak volumes. You know, yeah. we have all the facts and figures that we can wrestle with. Right. But what I believe actually changes hearts and minds is hearing from your from our constituents and people who are impacted by these things right. about how it impacts them. You know, do we have a chance at complete victory, so to speak, of you know, really bringing things back, maybe, maybe not. Mm -hmm. um, but could we, again, keep moving it in the right direction, potentially, but that will only happen if people keep speaking out. You know, I think people do get discouraged when they see what you were talking about is this terrible budget to begin with. Mm -hmm. They feel hopeless. 
And it's at this point where advocacy has to be its strongest. Mm -hmm. And I think you're making a good point in terms of moving the direction. Maybe we won't have a full victory, but we keep moving. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I have the sense of people being hopeless about some of these things. Yeah, sometimes. and I would, I would encourage people not to become hopeless yeah. about it. You know, I... I'm not sure how much we, how likely it is that we will make great changes to this budget, but what happens in future years yes. is also shaped by the voices we are hearing now, the organizing that happens That's on the right. ground around these issues. Right. Um, you know, all of that helps shape the future. And it always, I'm, I'm reminded whenever I think about that feeling of hopelessness and, you know, people say, how do you keep fighting when it's that bad? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm always reminded of a Martin Luther King quote, which is, you know, the day that we become silent about the things that matter is the day our lives begin to end. Oh, and, you know, it speaks volumes about the importance of raising our voices, mm -hmm. even when we're fighting a losing battle, mm -hmm. because we will not, we will not make change in the long run if we fall silent. Well, on that note, uh, thank you so much for being here and helping us. A pretty clear explanation of some of these key programs mm -hmm. uh, that impact not only Madison but senior citizens. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Right. See you next time on Senior Beat.